This has been a crazy week for us here in New York with the storm. And we talked for a long time, longer than usual, about what we wanted to say on this show. Right now, parts of Manhattan are still dark, without power. We're stuck in our houses. I'm sitting in Hannah's living room right now because she has power and coffee and all the subway tunnels are flooded. The gas station nearby has these really long lines and police trying to keep the peace. And people everywhere you go are talking about the storm and how high the water got. What, um, was there water here where we're sitting now? Yeah, if you look at the door over there, you see the water, how high it comes? This is Magdi Ezad. He was sitting outside my Kia store in Red Hook, Brooklyn, in a folding chair. He's Brooklyn's version of a taxi driver. He works for a car service. And he points to a brown water line on the door by the car service office. There are a couple feet of water here. Yep. And the water came inside here and destroyed everything inside. Yeah. In your office? Yeah. Our first thought was that we'd spend this show talking about the cost of a storm like this. The cost of damages to Magdi's car service office, the cost to Ikea, the cost of no power in the neighborhood for days and days. And those costs are very real. But there's something else that's also true about the situation that does not get talked about so much. Magdi brought it up, and it's that we are dealing with stuff. He said, you should have seen this place yesterday. There was sand and dirt and branches and debris And today, just three days after the storm, that has all been cleaned up. And Ikea, I don't know how, there still is not electricity around here. Ikea is open. People are walking in and out of the store as I'm standing here. Not a lot, but there are some. And as I'm standing there with Magdi, one of the drivers walks into the office and he writes something in a logbook. Did you you get a customer? Yeah, I have one customer. (laughs) Thank God. All over the city, things are getting fixed. And the way Magdi sees it, Americans should not take that lightly. He's originally from Egypt. If this had happened in Egypt, how quickly would, would the recovery be? Probably a year. <laughs> a year. Another driver from Sudan says, in my country, the recovery would never come. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Wald. And today's show, we are not going to take that lightly. Today's show is all about our economic Plan B. One thing that is really remarkable about our economy is that it's full of redundancies. It's full of backup plans. Backup plans that make our lives much, much easier. And I just want to be clear right here from the start. This is a very difficult time. We've had a monster storm that's flooded part of the largest city in the United States. People are still without power. And yet, and yet, no one doubts that the region is going to recover and that for our economy as a whole, this giant storm, it's barely going to be a blip. And that's because of those backup plans, the backup plans that kick into action in times like these. We have all these structures in our economy that are usually hidden, that are suddenly made visible. And we wanted to just take the show to look at all these things that we don't normally get to see. Except today, we get to see them. Down the street from Ikea in Brooklyn, where we met Magdi, there is what looks like your classic storm disaster scene. There's a grocery store that sits on the water that was underwater during the storm. It was flooded. It's called Fairway Market. It's a New York institution. They've got about a dozen stores. And the Brooklyn store had to throw out almost all of its food. All its perishable food just went into huge dumpsters. Chicken, fish, fruit. You can smell it walking by. The parking lot is a mess. There's a huge truck that says National Disaster Team 
and the gates are closed. You guys not open yet? No, we're not open. We won't be open for a while. How bad is it inside? It's pretty bad, but we're not going to comment on anything right now. We wanted to know just how bad. So we called the president of the company, Bill Sanford, from David's cell phone on the street. And he said it was bad. There were five feet of water throughout the store. Literally everything from our refrigerated cases to the checkout counters, the machines and the computers, everything was submerged. This really looks like the worst possible scenario, a terrible, expensive mess at this grocery store. But it turns out that this is a situation where there is a hidden backup system that has already kicked into action. Well, we have uh, business interruption insurance. Basically pays what your business would have been earning. So it pays for your wages, for your employees. It's as if the cash registers are still are still ringing. In, in, yes, in most senses. If Fairway did not have insurance, imagine how much money the company would lose every single day the gates remained closed. And that's not the only insurance Bill has. He also has property and casualty insurance. That covers... All the equipment, all the physical plants, all the inventory, anything that was lost in the store. All the inventory, all the food, all the refrigerators, the cash registers. Correct. Also, I just want to add one thing here. Pretty much every building on the water here was flooded. And it looks like they are all still standing. So I just want to take a moment to celebrate building codes. They are a big deal. They don't get their moment in the sun very often, but building codes are a big deal. These buildings were not swept away in the storm. And the fact that the U.S. builds its buildings to code, that we have strict laws about that, that those laws are enforced, that mostly builders follow those laws, that's a big deal. That really saves us in times like this. And and insurance. I mean, there's an estimate out today that the total damage from the storm is in the range of 30 to 50 billion dollars. And that insurance could cover up to $20 billion of that. It doesn't make everything better. I mean, smaller businesses probably don't have that interruption insurance. But insurance is going to cover a sizable part of the overall tab. Insurance companies are going to be paying a lot of money. And if you wonder, what if the insurance companies run out of money? They have an answer for that. It's this guy, Eric Smith, CEO of Swiss Re Americas. The Re in Swiss Re is for reinsurance. Pretty much all insurance companies worldwide have some sort of a reinsurance with somebody like Swiss Re. So our insurance companies, they have their own insurance with you? That's it. It's, it's we are the insurance company to the insurance company. Who insures you? <laughs> well, uh, we have a way that we can balance the risk around the globe. We know that uh, events aren't likely to occur all over the globe. They're going to occur in one spot. So mostly it's just through the math and the data that we've collected over 150 years. So you're insured by math. Well, we're insured by diversification. So right here in New York and in the Northeast, I mean, this feels like a huge, expensive disaster. If you look at the satellite images of the storm, it looked like the thing was going to gobble up a sizable chunk of this side of the country. But to Eric Smith, this storm, it hit one part of a huge country, which is part of a much bigger globe. Big picture in terms of disasters, he says, this has been an average year. You know, this year's um, tragedy in New York, uh, in, in New York, New Jersey, and all this area, was last year's tragedy in Thailand. All right. So we on the show have celebrated building codes and insurance, two somewhat hidden structures that make our lives better. Reinsurance may be the most hidden of them all. But Eric says in the developed world, the safety net is everywhere. So as you look around the world around you, 
there's really nothing that you can see that isn't probably covered by a form of reinsurance. Of an individual's life, every building, every business, everything that people own, if you look up into space at the satellites, at the you know, space launches and so forth, there's reinsurance that comes into play. So there's really nothing you can see in our environment that's not likely impacted by a reinsurance coverage. That, of course, is not a privilege people enjoy in poor countries. I keep thinking this whole week about Haiti after the earthquake in 2010, because I I spent some time there after the quake, and Haiti was hit by Sandy, too. And the country is devastated by it. People are still intense from the earthquake, and it's been really, really hard to recover because they don't have these things that we're talking about. They don't have building codes, so hundreds of thousands of people are not crushed by their homes and offices when earthquakes hit. And they don't have a lot of insurance. They definitely don't have a lot of reinsurance. And a lot of the reason is that, you know, in order to have insurance, you need to have laws and courts so that the words on your insurance policy actually mean something. And then you need to have people who can buy insurance policies. Which means people, lots of people, who are able to make a small investment in the future. If you're a Haitian homeowner and your roof is leaking, you have a small amount of cash, you're going to spend that money fixing your roof. And you're probably going to choose cheap materials that maybe won't be the most durable that, you know, might spare your roof in the event of a hurricane or strong winds in the future. It is very unlikely that you're going to spend that extra cash on insurance that may or may not help you in the future. Certainly, our economy is more resilient than Haiti's. I mean, the estimates for recovery from Sandy here in the U.S. are in the tens of billions of dollars. Eric Smith with Swiss Re alone, and there are other reinsurance companies, Swiss Re alone, he says, has 200 to $300 billion in reserves. Sandy is not going to sink your company. Oh, my, no. Uh, no, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> what, if, what if Sandy and Katrina happened at the same time? So we're going to go into hypotheticals. So I have to, you know, preface it by saying that, right? But, you know, the, the insurance industry is extremely healthy. Earthquake in San Francisco and, and Japan tsunami happening at the same time, would that sink your company? No, no, not even close. Uh-uh. You know, again, we go with the models that it just it doesn't happen. So what about terrorism? Do you guys worry about terrorism? No, not so much. No. Eric Smith's view of the world, it is sort of comforting. I mean, the things that keep him up at night are like, it's got to be like five giant catastrophes happening at once or, or a global pandemic, something like that. Regardless of what, you know, Mother Nature throws at us. Um, you know, we'll weather the storm, we'll write the checks. You know, the, the system is going to work, and it's going to work quite well. We're going to be fine. Yep. It's nice to hear that we're going to be fine. I just want to add, I have this one stray thought from this before we go here, which is how is it that we have all these contingency plans? We have insurance and reinsurance and emergency evacuation routes for bad weather. But a financial crisis comes along, where was everyone's contingency plans? It is weird that we seem to be very good at dealing with natural disasters. We are not so good at disasters that are of our own making. As always, we want to know what you think. We can get email. You can reach us at planetmoney at npr.org. And we can look at our website, at least most of the time, from my house, which is npr.org slash money. Hopefully on Tuesday, we will be talking to you back from our studios. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening. 